Welcome to Practice Makes, the Oxford Reimagining Performance Podcast, where we put leading scholars in conversation with actors, directors, and other practitioners to crack open the connections between theater research and performance in practice. I'm Madeline Seidenberg. And I'm Helen Dallas, and we're PhD students at Oxford. We've worked in theater as directors and dramaturgs. And now we also ask academic questions about theater. In this episode, we speak with Hannah Greenstreet and Frey Kwa Hawking about multi-hyphenate careers. Hannah Greenstreet is an academic playwright and theater critic. Hannah was awarded her doctorate from the University of Oxford last year for her thesis, Experiments with Realism in Contemporary Feminist Theater in Britain, for which she jointly won the Swapna Dev Memorial Book Prize for the best thesis in the Faculty of English. She is a lecturer in creative writing, stage and screen at the University of Liverpool. As a playwright, Hannah centers on women's narratives and queer experiences. Her queer reimagining of Euripides' Andromeda, a fragmentary tragedy, was performed at Camden People's Theater. Hannah's playwriting has been developed with Spread the Word, Oval House's Adult Company, Soho Writers Lab, the Northwell Arts Center's Theatre Craft Residency, and Menagerie Theatre's Young Writers Workshop. Hannah is also the co-reviews editor for Exeunt Magazine, which is a time of recording on hiatus. She has reviewed regularly for Exeunt and the stage and was the critic in residence at the Alchemy Festival 2019 at the Northwell Arts Center. Frey Kwa Hawking is a dramaturg, critic, and writer. He has written for A Younger Theatre, Exeunt, and The Stage. He describes himself as quite trans and angry. Frey was dramaturg assistant on the Young Vic's Neighbourhood Voices programme and has been a part of the Royal Court script panel. He is passionate about new writing. Frey has worked on shows performed at Nottingham Playhouse, Bunker Theatre, Greenwich Theatre, and Camden People's Theatre, including being the dramaturg for Andromeda. Oh, we are so delighted to have you both here. <laughs> Welcome, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having us. Weird to hear ourselves introduced in that way. Mm. <laughs> put all of that information on my website. Hannah, I hate to say it, but uh, all of that information is on your website. <laughs> Where do you think I found it? <laughs> um, I feel like those introductions have, have slightly suggested this but um we'd love to hear about where you both met how you know one another how you started working together yeah we were trying to um work this out actually but I think we met um kind of in the digital space uh, by both writing criticism for Exeunt magazine and I think we probably encountered each other at press nights and then from both admiring each other's criticism work. Uh, I knew that Frey was a dramaturg and um, we sort of came to a point with Andromeda and my play where we thought a dramaturg would be really helpful. Uh, and so I reached out to Frey and we had a coffee. Yes, that is also how I remember it as well. Yes, I think we got to properly know each other when we were working on Andromeda, but I had admired Hannah's criticism and also nice editing for a very long time and uh, if anyone's looking to read some of Hannah's criticism in Exion which is probably quite different in interesting ways from her like uh, academic writing um, I was like re reading some yesterday and would point you towards her Anatomy of a Suicide Redux review which 
is interesting because I know that you wrote about anatomy of a suicide in your PhD, one of your case studies, Hannah, and also uh, her review of um, when we have sufficiently tortured each other at the National, both really amazing pieces of criticism. Oh, thank you. Now I feel bad that I haven't looked up yours very much. No, I, would... I thought I'd surprise <laughs> you. But also it just happened by accident and I was like, I really, really should mention these <laughs> in case anyone's interested. No, that's brilliant. Thank you. I know you mentioned working on Andromeda together and I wonder if you could both just introduce a little bit about what, um, what Andromeda was and what the process of working together was like on that. Sure. Um, so Andromeda... I'd say it's a, a queer reimagining um, of Euripides' uh, play, which only exists in fragments, Andromeda. So it's about um, Perseus, this hero, saving Andromeda, who's about to be eaten by a sea monster from her fate. Um, but the interesting thing about Euripides' tragedy was that we think it was far more concerned with the kind of Perseus wants to get married to Andromeda, but uh, her family is not on board with that uh, because of their different cultural backgrounds. And we think the tragedy was far more about that, but it's lost. Um, so Charlotte Vickers, uh, the director of Andromeda, um, originally came to me with the idea saying, I would like to do a queer adaptation of Andromeda. Um, and again, we met through Twitter. I think we probably, just because it's the Edinburgh Fringe at the moment, uh, I think we met in the Summer Hall kind of courtyard. Um, mm -hmm and got got chatting from there I guess it's, it's quite tricky to adapt a um a script that only exists in fragments there's a lot of reimagining so what we've done is tried to take um bits from the myth and splice it with a contemporary queer relationship uh, between uh, Percy and Andy who are two young women at university um Andy's just sort of figuring out her sexuality um, and it's sort of the two narrative strands run in, in parallel, uh, the myth and then Percy and Andy, and they sort of interweave together. I don't know whether I'm explaining that. Right, Frey, do you have any? I recognise what you're saying as the play that we worked on. So I feel like you've done a good job. Um, yeah, Hannah does a really great and interesting job of balancing the like slightly more grounded and recognizable in our time story of Andy and Percy's first love uh, together and um, the meta narrative of Andromeda and Perseus and does all kinds of cool things with the ways that the characters um, in some ways jeopardize their relationship by seemingly um, reading themselves through or onto these characters um, but there's all kinds of tensions as to, you know, to what extent they're doing that and um, if that's just the way that we're receiving the play, um, how conscious it is for the characters that they're doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think we brought Frey into the process about a year or two in, so that has been quite a long time, uh, the process. Uh, it, so it was performed uh, in July 2021 at Camden People's Theatre. We're hoping it's going to come back at some point. Watch this space. Oh, that'd um, be great. Yeah, funding permitting. <laughs> um, but it was a long time in development, um, partly because of COVID sort of scuppered our original run, but also just a long time in development before that. Um, and I, I think we sort of came to a crossroads in the script where we were 
um, battling with like lots of lots of different difficulties, partly just how to make the two strands of the script work together. Um, and I'm sort of, I feel like they have a kind of metaphorical poetic relationship with each other. They don't necessarily map directly onto each other. Like Percy is not Perseus, but she also reads herself into the character sometimes. Uh, Andy is definitely not Andromeda, but she's sometimes cast as Andromeda uh, by Percy in the relationship. Um, and part of, we came to part of that theatrical language through an original R&D, um, getting actors to sort of play around with the story, with the myth. Um, and then I wrote uh, the, the script has many drafts, but I wrote a draft of the script. Um, and I think what Frey has been so helpful at doing is sort of helping me work out what, what the play is, where I want it to go, um, and sort of detangling um, lots of different things um, in the play. And yeah, it's just been really amazing to work with, with a dramaturg. I would recommend it for... <laughs> all playwrights if, if they possibly can I think it just um it's really helpful to be able to show drafts to, to someone else um who's who's not the director um yeah Frey do you want to say a bit more about about what you what you did Oof. um I think it probably makes most sense to start by talking about the fact that as you mentioned I was coming to, into this process later than you and Charlotte. And so you already had been doing a lot of dramaturgical work with each other and alone, like on this play. And so as someone coming into it uh, after that, um, I think it is often the task of the dramaturg to uh, attempt to make sure that they're understanding what the writer needs, what the director needs, where you meet each other, and where there can be some like um, speaking between you and so on. And with Andromeda, it was lovely because I was in the, I was both doing sort of uh, script sessions with you and sometimes with Charlotte. So sometimes I'd be um, sending notes via email to you and I'd be copying Charlotte in, or sometimes I wouldn't be. And uh, we would have three-way script meetings sometimes. And we also had a few that were just you and me. Um, and then being in the rehearsal room as well, uh, both for the, um, the version of Andromeda that was shown at Amplify Festival in Nottingham, and then for the run at Camden People's Theatre in 2021. Um, I was there in the rehearsal room a lot which makes quite a difference when, for instance, the writer isn't there for all of that time, because I think hopefully you remember some of the echoes of what previous iterations of the play have been and can um, not sort of rigorously defend the writer's vision against everything, but to be there is like a reminder and to help um, hopefully um synthesize and nudge and tie things together in a way that hopefully all together aids the cohesion of the total piece um it might be useful for listeners who don't know if i talk about like what a dramaturg is i was i was just gonna say like yeah. if you would <laughs> what dramaturgy means to to you because i think you know, as, as you're saying, you're talking about like quite specific experiences in Andromeda it is a role that can mean a lot of things. So both mm -hmm. like 
a dictionary definition would be fantastic. Mm. And uh, Bray, you personally as a yeah. standard. So I keep notes on like various different definitions of dramaturgy that people have used that like I like, and there's a lot of them out there. And it is also the question that most dramaturgs like get very, very tired of answering because it's quite a formidable word. And um, in this country, we're not quite as used to using it as they are in say America or in Europe. Um, in this country, dramaturgy tends to be quite script focused because we are traditionally like a writer's theater, but anyone involved in working on a play is doing dramaturgy. Um, dramaturgy is just sort of the, the work of making theater really. Um, uh, Mark Bly has a really nice definition of dramaturgy where he says that it's like how the nose has two functions, both to breathe and to smell, and the mouth has two functions, both to breathe and to taste, and that the dramaturg knows at once that, um, has to embrace the fact that the dramaturg's role could be just seen as redundant because everyone there is doing dramaturgy. The writer is engaged in thinking uh, deeply about how the play is being made and what goes into it. And so is the director and so is the lighting designer. Um, but also that we can bristle with the possibilities that um, just having someone there who is explicitly for this as well um, affords making a thing um, and what that changes. And then Tony Hiss said that it's, uh, someone who keeps the whole in mind, which is a really simple and lovely way of thinking about it as well. But yeah, in my experience, uh, I think possibly because of my, I don't know, attempted stuffy academic background, like, and lack of physical comfort, I work most with like scripts and with writers and I'm not super, I don't know, physically active or whatever in rehearsal rooms. So I do a lot of script reading and um, consulting like one-on-one -on -one with writers and so on. Yes. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah. that may I was actually going to ask it completely off the back of that. Um, what the, the relationship between dramaturgy and Hannah for you as well with the writing, with the, those in research as kind of the, the theme of the podcast, because what, you know, those wonderful examples that you're saying feel like they speak to research but are also not directly about research and I'd love to hear more about that. I feel like when artists and academics talk about research they mean different things um, because we were funded for like periods of research and development um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're sitting in a library. It means you're in a rehearsal room with actors exploring the script, maybe improvising around the script, seeing, seeing how the work works um, on its feet. We also, because Andromeda is uh, based on a, an ancient Greek play, we also did some kind of research um, in a more traditional academic sense. So um, Martina Astrid Rodder, who um, finished their DPhil recently in classics at Oxford, was our kind of classical consultant. Um, and they came into the rehearsal room and talked to us about, about how Greek theatre worked. They also produced a new translation uh, from ancient Greek of, of the play as it um, of, of Andromeda as it existed. There's not much of it at all. Um, and that was really great because it gave me the freedom to, to work off their translation, but also to completely go wild with it, to be very playful 
and the play as it stands has its first scene is it's kind of all all that we have from Euripides really um and it's very archaic in style um deliberately playing playing on that kind of this is Greek theatre and then immediately after that we go into a club scene a contemporary kind of realist scene so really wanted to play up those contrasts I've definitely drifted away from the question um research I'm also a contemporary theatre researcher um which I guess means that I watch a lot of plays and think about them and write about them and kind of apply academic theory to them sometimes um so yeah I'd say that's that's a different headspace again and maybe the criticism is another different headspace I think I have said previously maybe in job interviews that my criticism is like a first draft of my research I don't know whether that's true because as Frey said um just thinking about the reviews you mentioned Frey they're very playful and um, they're sort of what I love about Exeunt is that uh, it really encourages its writers to experiment with form and the form of, of theatre criticism. Um, so like for my review of, uh, there was a production at Top Girls at the National Theatre a few years ago. And for that, um, I kind of took the famous dinner party scene and made it a discussion between uh, all these male critics on, on Churchill and like thinking about Nick Heitner's idea of getting 50-50 gender representation at the national. I don't know whether they've achieved that yet. It was supposed to be done by 2020, but then there was a pandemic. So who knows? We'll have to check those stats. Um, and then and then going into more of a traditional review of the play. Um, so yeah, that's my my take on research. Frey, do you have anything to add? Uh, God, it's such a big topic, isn't it? Hopefully we continue to talk about it throughout this, I guess. But I guess my initial thoughts are that in terms of Andromeda, I think that you did great, such a great suggestive and interesting job in using the very beautiful translation that we had as um, and, and responding to it in the scenes in ways that weren't always uh, very direct. Um, we, I think it prompted us to think a lot about, for instance, there was sometimes a uh, slight vocabulary, like echoes, I would say, but also, um, the, just our thinking around when we meet characters and how we meet characters and the feed of information that we get from them, I feel like was influenced by, um, the fragments that we had to work with and thinking about um, the structure of the play, how we move from what we called the chaos space, which were scenes where Andy and Percy were kind of um, in another, in another slash undetermined um, different um, setting in time and space, sort of um, litigating their relationship with each other slash also um, going over things that they thought about themselves at that time and things and then um, the more like primacy first uh, scenes between them which felt like memories and then moving from those to if you like reenactments re or playful or sometimes quite serious reenactments of um, the fragments as translated um, so I think that, yeah, Hannah had such a lot to manage and 
her the, the the fact that you have done so much research and thinking about form in your academic life I think probably helped a lot with this um, and we had such a lot to delve into and play with um, in terms of the intimacy of this relationship and then um, how that was impacted by uh, these classical antecedents and yeah I've landed on a lot there. Uh, what was I also going to talk about? Research. Uh, this is definitely, this, yeah, this is a really big thing to talk about. I, I think I feel like I wish I had more time to devote just to learning. Sometimes as someone who, I mean, I didn't go to drama school, but I went to Oxford, which I think, you know, is worth bringing up. Um, the very tenderly, almost sinister hold that you know these institutions have on like the theatre industry still um but I think yeah I didn't go to drama school I haven't studied dramaturgy you don't need to study dramaturgy formally at university or whatever to do it and a lot of people in this country don't although there are institutions at which you, which you can do that now um I did a sort of hands-on short sort of course at the Royal Court called Script Panel which you mentioned which was really great and was the first kind of training I had in this but I'd been calling myself dramaturg and sort of hacking away at it before that but whenever I am doing research about dramaturgy or just about theatre and I'm reading things because I'm interested I'm struck by the huge overlap there is between I mean so many important dramaturgs of the past have been academics and also been theatre critics um, and writers you can't really pull these things out from each other um, and so much of the interesting things that have been written about dramaturgs are by academics and it's the same with theatre criticism a lot of the time not always but a lot of the time and sometimes I get quite depressed and I'm like oh my god uh, I need to go back to academia but then I don't know how I feel about that also, I don't have the time or the money, but also I really need to learn German. Oh, my God. I'm going to rest in my thinking. Like, what am I doing? Um, or like, oh, my God, I need to go to Europe and um, see a lot of cool theatre and take that in and stuff. And then I'm like, but I don't have any money. So, yeah. So much curiosity. So little time. Yeah, research is there. But I think that I'm managing it in quite a haphazard way now that I'm just a freelancer balancing jobs and I have a like near full-time job as well yes I feel like the haphazardness of research is is research I please tell me that it's that's true <laughs> I'm probably unfairly mischaracterizing you all as having so much time and you're doing things in such a rigorous full way that's not fair of me at all no but that is interesting thinking about yeah us as professional researchers hmm. when actually maybe in reality it is it is more haphazard yeah I also think though Frank because you've got this like instinctive understanding maybe instinct is not the right word but you have accumulated an understanding of of how plays work and how to work with playwrights that which I certainly found working with you that I don't think you need to go to drama school I feel like you've done you've done your thing you've done it <laughs> Thank you. That's really, that's really comforting. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take that. But also like, I've never, I've, I've gone on a lot of short courses. I've never uh, formally trained as a playwright. Um, mm. 
which is worth mentioning. I guess a few years ago, I was like thinking, oh, do I need to do an MA in playwriting? I didn't. And I feel like the really good things about MAs are they give you time and space and kind of force you to write. Um, but I feel like you can also learn on the job just, just by writing as well. Well, I think it's worth mentioning, like we said this, we've all sort of mentioned this in various ways. And I think it's worth saying that we are all at, well, we all have been at Oxford. Um, and I didn't go to undergrad. Uh, I went to undergrad in, in the States, which is a very different style of teaching and is like deliberately a sort of liberal arts space in which um, the kind of, I think the haphazardness that we're talking about is enforced, right? You're intended to go and learn several different things at once. And they're sort of, you're supposed to make the connections between them. Whereas I think there's something about um, the Oxford space that, that requires you to, if you want to do theater, because we don't have a theater department to sort of forge that and do sort of practical work on your own that, you know, is quite different than going to drama school for theater and also quite different than going to like taking theater classes in a liberal arts uh, undergraduate space. Yeah, I find it um, like the history of theatre at Oxford really interesting because I think in the I need to check the dates but sometime in the mid 20th century there was like a report into whether drama should be formally taught at Oxford um, mm. and I think someone decided that it wasn't wasn't rigorous enough to be to be taught <laughs> at Oxford um, which I, th I think is is kind of and at the same time, all these kind of professional drama departments were being set up, like uh, Bristol, um, University of Bristol, one of the first, I think the first drama department in the UK. But I would say that not having a drama department in some ways means that you can study drama as part of an English degree here, and yeah. that we've got this very alive student theatre scene. Um, and I think it's, I think it's partly scale, actually, just the amount of shows on every week means that... I'm sure if you talk to people who've done their undergrads here who were involved in theatre they would they would say similar but there's it's a, a lot of space to kind of learn on those shows um with all the caveats that Oxford is still uh underrepresentative of various various groups um and I think some people have found the drama scene quite cliquey here as well so as a caveat um but I think thinking about graduate study um I, I agree with you, Maddie. I feel like um, um, in some ways you have to forge your own path because there isn't, in some ways I feel like people who do drama here are like really committed to drama um, because in some ways it doesn't always seem to be that highly regarded by some people in the university, I would say. Not always. Um, I think Torch has done amazing work like with bringing, um, with the network of, uh, I don't know what it's called now, Reimagining Performance Network. Uh, it was, I think, the Theatre and Performance Network before Torch actually funded uh, some of some of Andromeda. Um, and I think there's a real appetite now to get this kind of public facing, engaging with the theatre industry kind of research and see where those two things meet, uh, because impact is a really big thing for universities, how research impacts the world. Um, so I think yeah, maybe it, it means that you do have to have a slightly different perspective um, because it's a slightly more marginal part of the university. Um, I did want to jump on, I think both of you in talking about the other have said really lovely things about like, the ways in which you're different 
the different kinds of work you do inform one another. Um, Frey was talking about Hannah, your your academic background and interest in form really informed um, your playwriting and your work on Andromeda. You also said that you like that in Exeter and Criticism. Um, Hannah, you've talked about Frey's varied experiences working with playwrights was something that really helped you in working on Andromeda. Can we talk a little bit more about that? That multi-hyphenate experience and what it means to be, and actually on that, the other thing you said, Frey, that I wanted to come back to is, is working a full-time job alongside, which is a, a different type of job experience that often gets left out of these. I feel like we could both talk a lot about that. Do you want to go first, Hannah? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I feel like it's very difficult, possibly impossible to subsist as solely a theatre maker in this economy, like, unless you're really established. But even so, like, playwrights write for television, and that's kind of how they live, <laughs> um, even, like, very big-name playwrights. Um, so I think you need to be a multi-hyphenate. I think academia is... So in some ways, doing the PhD, and I was funded to do the PhD, um, really enabled me to pursue theatre practice um, alongside it because I was funded, like I was earning a wage um, and I could devote some of that time to, to theatre and obviously you can, it's quite flexible, you can fit things around each other, you can have an R&D um, and, and go off and do that. Um, I think looking, so throughout the PhD I was like a researcher, a playwright and a critic. And I found those, sometimes it felt like I was being taken in different directions just in terms of demands on my time and like different headspaces. But I think actually it has, they do all speak to each other. They do all enrich the other. And I feel like now I'm trying to turn my PhD in, into a book and I'm trying to um, use it as a selling point, I guess, that there is a kind of unique perspective you get from having seen many of these plays as a critic, having sort of written about them first, um, but also the understanding of how plays work, drama dramaturgy uh, from, from writing as a playwright, I think gives you unique insights um, into them writing about um, contemporary feminist theatre. Um, so I think, I think they do all enrich each other. And I guess also because I'm a lecturer in creative writing, I feel like my theatre practice was very helpful in getting me that job so it's if you want um to stay in academia in a drama department often being a practitioner is a really good way of of doing that um, as well and I guess being a lecturer is how how some people support their creative practice so I was reading um about Winston Pinnock yesterday and she worked at the University of Kingston for years um, like she's an amazing playwright, but she supported herself by working at the University of Kingston as an associate professor in creative writing. Um, so I think, yeah, it all, you need to support yourself in some way. And I feel like um, having a job where you can engage with students, help them with their own writing, be around plays, research is, is a great way of doing it. That was great. Um, I will now try and remember the question that you, aimed at me so I 
currently work at a theatre, an NPO organisation, a national portfolio organisation, which means that it gets a set amount of money from Arts Council England every, well, uh, every year, and that is renewed every three years. Um, so it's a relatively large theatre. Um, I work in an administrative capacity there, and I work there Monday to Thursday. Um, and I also do my freelance dramaturgy, which is often script reading or being attached to R&Ds or productions. And um, I also do my theatre reviewing. Um, theatre criticism is very poorly paid in this country. You cannot support yourself as a theatre critic in this country unless you're like a staff writer, possibly in something else, but also doing theatre reviews like at a broadsheet. Um, uh, so that plays into the theatre criticism that gets um, produced in this country. Um, it's mostly by people who have very little time to spend with the play and have to file by like 9am the next morning. And so if you have a job as well that requires you to, for instance, be somewhere in person, um, that has its own ramifications. Um, yeah, I think I really like the job that I have working at, in an administrative capacity at a theatre. I think that it provides me with a lot of insight into other aspects of uh, how theatre is made that are very useful. Um, I think theatre makers can sometimes uh, characterise like marketers, arts marketers, which I would fall under um, as a kind of like enemy um, to the process and so on. Um, but it's very difficult. And also even work theatre workers at buildings and uh, theatre companies who aren't doing what we would term like strictly creative work, although they might actually be employing like, creative um, skills and abilities in their work anyway. Um, but they are not often compensated very well either, uh, especially when you compare it to any other industry. So yeah, I feel like I have probably learned interesting things about programming and the, the the difficult balance of um just keeping like a theater building going um which i think is useful for my thinking when it comes to dramaturgy criticism or just like the grasp i have of what is going on in our industry which i don't think i have like a very comprehensive idea of what's going on but yeah uh useful um, it's better to have a consideration of the way that um, probably everyone, most people that you come into contact with when you're working in theatre uh, are dealing with similar things. Childcare, for instance, is so absolutely horrible when you are trying to work as a theatre maker, theatre worker. Um, and to be honest about these things, yeah. And to generally advocate for just the correct compensation of all of our labor, which includes theater critics, as well as, you know, theater administrators, tech, technical workers, theater actors and writers and directors and everything, yeah. It's so interesting that you were talking earlier about like 
thinking about the play as a whole, as a dramaturg, as sort of the dramaturg's role. And I wonder if I can bring us back to Andromeda for a second and ask about, I was really struck, I had kind of not thought about the fact that the play, the existing script is in fragments. And it was making me think of um, Anne Carson's sort of fragmentary uh, rewriting of Sappho and how she sort of left it fragmentary. And I was originally gonna ask you about the differences between working on a sort of older classic or a play that has been put on before and new work. But it sounds actually like, like Andromeda was somewhere in between. And I wonder how, how that experience was. Did it feel like new writing? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, when Charlotte originally asked me if I wanted to uh, come on board with the project, at this stage we had no funding, so it was very much like two people just sort of wanting to do it because it sounded like a cool idea. Um, but I think at the beginning I thought, oh, it's an adaptation. It will be, it will be less work than writing an original play, uh, which has not turned out to be the case. Um, and also when I'm, I don't really use the word adaptation anymore with reference to Andromeda, I call it a reimagining because basically just the first scene is, is from, is from that um, Euripides text. And then there are a tiny bits, like a couple of lines of dialogue, um, even individual words um, left, left from the play script. So it is a kind of piecing together and, some of the other sources we used were like uh, Ovid, um, Ovid's Metamorphoses. Um, obviously, the Andromeda myth has been retold in many different ways um, over the years. Um, so sort of drawing on some of those different things and also the kind of intellectual baggage, the kind of the racism, the sexism that has come with that myth and, and trying to confront that in our, um, in our reimagining um, and the kind of encounter with the present um so yeah I wouldn't yeah so it's not an entirely original play in the sense that it was sort of based off off of that um myth but it's also it's not a straightforward adaptation at all which was why it was helpful to have a dramaturg <laughs> partly as well um from my experience as well I did my um undergraduate degree in classics and English um which meant that I think uh, I probably was more at home with this, even though I never did any Greek and um, thus could not be useful in a lot of ways. Um, more at home with this than I might have been otherwise. Uh, and although a lot of the classical research, I think, especially had been finished like by the time that I got involved, with Andromeda, um, I think it was still useful because for instance, like I was comfortable with um, some of the like pronunciation or could talk a little bit about um, like the divine, um, what's the word, genealogy? Genealogy, <laughs> family trees. Um, a little bit sometimes, but I don't think that that was needed too much really from me. And it was more about um, the kind of work that goes along with new writing, as Hannah said. So um, being in the room, asking 
the right questions, um, recording things that might need recording. Um, it, it, it felt very much like new writing, which means sort of um, always a bit of the unknown and trying to work out what the language of this thing is going to be um, together. Yeah. Yeah, and I think your point about collaboration is really important because Andromeda was such a collaborative process. Um, and it was from, from an idea by Charlotte, the, the director, but then I was sort of the playwright and, and wrote many drafts of the script with input from Frey. So it's sort of all, and input from the actors, the various actors we had involved in the process. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that kind of multiple, multiple authorship um, and possibly in, I know there is co-authorship in academia, but possibly less in the humanities or less in our field. And I think for me, the collaborative spirit of a rehearsal room is just so amazing. So energy giving. Um, and I would love to have more of that collaboration in academia, but it does also bring those problems of like acknowledgement. How do you acknowledge people's contributions? Particularly if they're like, scrabbling around for jobs for publications um maybe it gets trickier um that it's it's maybe because the conditions are not good that it's maybe harder to maintain that collegial spirit in academia um because it i would say the job market almost encourages you to feel like you're in competition with everyone which is really destroying destroying joy um if yeah. i can say something like soppy and hopefully like a bit more positive after the negatives like Madeline and I work together a lot I was um, about to say this so, too okay. <laughs> this is getting really emotional um but we do regularly say to one another and to other people that one of the like really greatest joys of our PhDs respectively has been the work that we do together and getting to work with one another so I I feel that about collaboration is it does they improve academia as much as it improves creative work although how do you describe a podcast about research and performance it's that academic or creative who knows well and I think I mean if I can sort of position uh Helen and and myself here as well like we have both uh sort of worked before and within our graduate work in theater and I think that's something that I've seen and, and I sort of wish that, uh, I almost wish this wasn't a podcast, although it's a very warm day and I'm very glad that nobody can see my face at the moment. But, um, but that, you know, whenever any of us sort of talks about collaboration, it's the thing that lights us up. And I wonder, actually, I was gonna ask if, if, you, if you each have sort of a favorite thing about, about working in theater, about being a dramaturg or a playwright or a critic, if there's something that that brings you back to it and and that you get a lot of joy out of and i know I, i'm going to i'm going to throw in here that i for me i think both academically and in in theater it's like getting to create something almost communally with other people um despite sort of the frustration of attribution of that that seems to be the like the joy of it yeah, I think I'd I'd echo that. I think there's I I just really enjoy being in a rehearsal room and kind of taking taking maybe a world that's been in your head 
and only your head and like sharing it with other people and them having the most amazing ideas maybe about characters and saying oh I think they're like this and like I'd never thought about it like that before and also I guess being able to be a bit vulnerable and kind of give quite a rough draft of something to to actors or to Frey and they just take it um in in a new direction and just very generously build build on it to what it could be um and I think also with reviewing there are times when I've been reviewing um and this is kind of theater twitter when it's a good thing um which I guess twitter is always a double-sided thing but there are times when I've been reviewing and it feels like we're in a conversation about the show not necessarily between me and the creators but between me and other people who've seen it other critics maybe like all these theater nerds are having this conversation which I think is really special and I guess you don't get that quite so much in academic work just because the time scales of publication like maybe you get it at a conference but it's it's harder to come by so I think that kind of yeah collegiality collaboration um is what I like about it those are both such lovely answers I feel like at its best um working in theatre helps to sort of make sense of the world because it can feel like it itself makes very direct sense when you're um, just working with some people to find out how to make a thing, do the things you need it to, make, make it the truest version of itself. And you're hopefully drawing closer to kind of understanding what each other means by how you're talking about this thing. And um, I think that it can remind you uh, of various reasons to be hopeful. And it's hard to kind of um, separate that out from the work that we need to do, just improving things in the world and how sometimes it can be quite direct and simple. Um, and oftentimes it's not, and it feels very difficult and beholden to all kinds of big structures and pressures um, and tensions, but that it can sometimes be made very simple and direct when you're just there with people and trying to work out how to be useful um, in a way that hopefully isn't too um, harsh on yourself for when you aren't able to be useful, yeah. Oh, that was, again, such a lovely answer. <laughs> um, I think what I think what I would say is of my favorite thing about all of these different kinds of work um, is I I have heard or read people describing both criticism and performance as archaeological in certain ways. And I'm going to have to look up who said that because, as we've ascertained, like attribution is very important. Um, but I, I think about that a lot and I often describe my research process itself as like I turn up with a metal detector and I'm like, I know there's something down there, but I have literally no idea what it is. I'm just going to have to keep digging till I find out what it is. Um, I feel that way about a, a lot of the creative process as well is knowing that there is something and digging until you find it. And then when you've got it, like brushing it down and fine tuning it and 
doing that cool thing they did with the sphinx where they work out what color it was and <laughs> you know like everything there is that knowing that there is something almost on on instinct and then having to do an awful lot of work to find it and that's sort of the satisfaction of all the stages of that process and bringing in what others have said like working with others on that is such a joy both when it's someone else helping you find something but also you know having been a dramaturg in a room there is something so satisfying about seeing an actor do something we're like no like that's brilliant like you found the thing that no one else could find and that's wonderful so yeah some something around it was very metaphorical <laughs> a very non-literal day today but yeah there is so much joy in that <laughs> That's really lovely. I mean, I think we, <laughs> this is such a nice way to end this conversation, I think, because we've kind of gone through some, some quite thorny bits of, of, of being an academic and a practitioner at this particular moment of, of change and to kind of come away thinking about, I don't know, I feel quite excited to get back in a room after, after this and to sort of collaborate with other people. And I'm so excited to see um, if there's a next version of Andromeda and and what the two of you make after this. I was just going to ask, is there anything coming up that you are excited about, would like to talk about, either to plug or just express excitement about? Um, I'm involved with making a new musical called Asian Pirate Musical, which is ongoing. I think our R&D is soon. Um, keep an eye out for that. If you have lots of money, please give it to us. Because making <laughs> a new musical is incredibly long and uh, expensive if you want to do it in a not fringe way, which we do. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a shout out at the moment. I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe next week and I'm very excited just to see stuff. So I'm excited to be seeing theatre and just so excited that theatre seems to be back um after all the closures I think that's exciting oh that is exciting that isn't that is a nice note to end on but getting to see more theatre doing R&D for more theatre Asian pirate musical anyone who has money <laughs> send it in <laughs> <laughs> This has been Practice Makes, the Oxford Reimagining Performance Podcast with Helen Dallas and Madeleine Sadenberg. Thanks for listening. <laughs>